Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. All right, welcome to uh, welcome to church. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Good. Okay, boy, and all. To continue with the Spanish <clears throat> lingo, we're going to be in session three tonight. Let's pray. <clears throat> Let's pray for our time in studying marriage and studying God's word. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are we are so thankful that. Um, you uh, have given us this incredible volume of words, Lord, called the Bible, Lord. Every single book that is there to instruct us and to give us strength and also encouragement and help in time of need, Lord. There are so many times in our lives where we do not know where to turn. And indeed, in the case of marriage and relationships, um, you have seen the world and what people do in relationships, and it's all over the place. It's crazy what people do to one another and what they're trying to accomplish, Lord. And yet the answers are here, here for us. And so tonight we just pray that you would feed us. Would you feed this flock? Uh, would you teach us how to, how to do marriage your way, Lord? How to have relationship your way. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> So tonight is session, well, it's our third class, but we're going to be going through two parts. The first part is talking about how to fix it, how to fix problems in marriage. Um, who's ever had a problem in a relationship before? Raise your hand. And I guess it's just me. No, it's just like, yeah, problems in relationships. Um, <clears throat> I remember when I was in junior high and I first was getting interested in girls and, and meeting a young lady that I was, I was, was really cute and, and thinking to myself, okay, I think I know how this works. And just like time after time after time trying to interact with her and it would just go south. And I would try something else and it would go south and this and south. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. And so relationship problems are really human problems. Like what does it mean to even have a relationship, to have a friendship? And then if you have a friendship or if you have a relationship, what happens if it starts to go south? What do you do? What do you do when things, when things are not going well? And look at, look at our world. Even, hey, look, look at some, some of the churches. What happens when relationships go south, they divide. They say, oh, I guess the relationship is bad. Oh, our relationship is bad, so we got we to gotta, we gotta get out of this boat, and then they jump into another boat, and the other person jumps. And then guess what happens? More problems come down the line because you keep running into the same issues, the same problems. Um, the statistics are unfortunate, although maybe fortunate from a Christian perspective, that people who enter into remarriages and continue to kind of get into this cycle of divorce and remarriage, 
tend to be less and less and less successful as they go. Now, that's not to say that people who have to legitimately deal with certain issues or problems and then have to remarry are like out of luck. No, by no means. But unless you figure out what those root issues are that cause problems in relationships, you're always going to be dealing with the issue of it going south. We were just studying this a couple of Sundays ago when Pastor Aaron was getting us through the, the famous Sermon on the Mount. Can you guys please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, where we'll be looking at verses 3 through 5. And this is a very applicable set of verses for, for marriage because... What we're about to hear are things that will often be thought of and sometimes said in marriages. It will say, and why do you look at the speck in your wife's eye or husband's eye? Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of adding here a little bit. But do not consider the plank in your own eye, right? It's so easy to point out the fault that your spouse has, that your your girlfriend or boyfriend, if you're in the dating process, what they have is so easy to point it out. And he says here, but do you not consider that you have also a plank in your eye? And then it goes on to say in verse 4, how can you say to your brother, or in this situation, to your spouse, let me remove the speck from your eye, and, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank. And so here's the first big rule in fixing marital problems and relationship problems. Stop looking at the other person. Like, cut it out. Because more than likely, the problem is in you. <laughs> and there was great rejoicing and amens, right? Oh, good. Isn't it good to find out that the problem is you? Do you guys remember when you found out that the problem with you and God was you? I remember those days. I mean, it, honestly, it, it still is the issue. If, I, if my life goes south, it's always like you're tempted to blame other things and do the whole Adam and Eve thing and, and you know, point fingers, you know. And it's like the, what is it, the, uh, the, uh, from the Wizard of Oz, was it the, uh, the, the straw man, right? He was, like, he was like, how do I get to Oz? You know, with the blaming. Uh, the scarecrow, that's it. There you go. Thank you so much for the pop reference. Um, but when you realize it's you, <laughs> there's, such, there's such power and beauty in realizing that the problem is you. Like, when I realized that the sin problem in my life was me having my sin against a holy God it changed my life because then I could actually do something about it. Then I could actually attend to, well, what do I do with this thing that I have, this sin problem that pervades me, that is in consuming me, that is taking me over, that is washing me down and driving me south? Well, it happened because I was able to actually take that mirror and just look, oh, I'm the hypocrite. I'm the guy with the plank in my eye. And in a relationship, everyone has to be willing to do that. To get up in the morning and not look at the spouse, but to look at yourself and just be like, good morning, 
plank eye. Let's all say that together, okay? Tomorrow morning you can practice this when you get up and you look in the mirror, whether you've brushed your teeth or not. We can all say good morning, plank eye. Ready? One, two, three. Good morning, plank eye. All right. I think we're off to a pretty good start. Um, because the problems that, that, that happen in marriage are problems that are in you first. All the other stuff that we experience are the outward expressions of stuff and sin that happen because you haven't taken care of your own junk, your own stuff. You know, one of, the, one of my very favorite hymns, this old school hymn, is this hymn called Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And I love, I love even the direction of the melody. As a musician, I'm particularly impressed with this, but the, the melody starts like this. It goes, leaning, leaning. And it has this kind of a lean to it. But that leaning is so important because the way to fix yourself, if you've, if you've gotten to that point where you can say, good morning, plank guy, you can kind of realize, okay, in this relationship, I've got to attend to myself first. Let me, let me look at me first. Let me get this plank issue dealt with first. How then do you fix yourself? Well, it's by learning and learning and learning again and again that you have to lean not on your spouse, but you have to learn to lean on the Lord Christ. Learning to lean is the Christian way. And here's the beautiful thing. You have, as a human being, you have a lot of, you have a lot of things going on in you that need to be pacified. You have big needs. You have the need of knowing who you are, identity. You have the need of knowing your purpose. What were you made for? Why are you here? Why are you here for even this period of time in which we live? And all the big things about you cannot be solved by the person next to you. And that's the key. Very often people get into relationships and they think, oh, this other person they're so great. And we, don't we say that when, when, people, when you hear people like starting to, to date each other? Like, met the perfect, the girl says, I met the perfect guy. Oh, you know. And everybody's like, can't wait till chapter two happens where they go, he's not perfect. And the guy says, I met the perfect girl. And everyone's like, oh, because you know it's just a matter of time before they realize they're not perfect. But we do this thing, Right? You just realize this now. <laughs> um, and so what we do, and this is the big problem in relationships, is you put the things that you're supposed to be leaning on God for, your identity, your purpose, meaning, all the deep things about human beings, and you put it on a person, and you lean on them, and you just... You're like trying to suck those things out of them and you're like, you tell me my purpose and you make me feel meaningful. You make me feel loved and you make me this and you make me that. And, and pretty soon, two, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to squeeze that person so much they have nothing left to give and you'll still need something. Or the person's going to say, hey, I can't give you what you need. 
And then we all end up what's called relational honesty, and people begin to get skeptical of the institutions. And where are we as a culture? People are skeptical about relationships. They're skeptical about traditional marriage. They're skeptical about this, and that's it's because they don't understand, right? People perish for a lack of vision and knowledge and understanding, thus it says in the Proverbs, because they don't understand the principle of what are you leaning on first? And here's, here's the beautiful thing. When you learn and if you, by, by wanting to fix it, wanting to fix yourself, wanting to fix the marriage, wanting to fix yourself, if you learn that leaning on the Lord is the key, then this beautiful, beautiful thing happens. And I, I put it this way. Leaning on the Lord, of course, not on, 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 the, on people, leaning on the Lord leads to lightening. A lightening of the relationship. Because you're not putting on your partner what only God can take. And so you release them from the pressure. My wife doesn't have to love me in every possible way that is, that is possible because I'm getting that from, from Jesus. I'm leaning on him to take care of the empty voids in my life. I'm worshiping him to find a, a place of peace and of power. And so therefore, I'm not going to lean on you in the ways that maybe I did. And the relationship begins to float. You see how it lightens the relationship. And there's less pressure. The person, the, the wife doesn't feel like she has to provide everything for the husband. The husband doesn't feel like he has to provide everything for the wife because you were never meant to. So we have to get this right. And if you're in a dating relationship or you're, you're headed towards the, either the desire of marriage or you're considering it, this is so important to get at the very beginning that both people realize, hey, I'm not going to meet every need of yours. I mean, you hope to have a great friendship and a friendship in Christ, but we, you have to learn as you go on to put your burdens on the Lord, and that will lighten the relationship. So the first step in fixing anything is the mirror and then going and leaning the most important things on the Lord. The second thing is this issue of how to grow closer together. Very often, and I drew this at the end of the last class, so very often, if you have a husband and a wife, and up here you have God, you see how as they get further away from God, they get further away from each other. But the opposite is also true. As the husband learns to lean, I'm going to lean on the Lord this much. That's, and that's also kind of like a symbol of like buoyancy, so to speak. If you can kind of think this as like, a, as it goes up, it gets lighter, right? Lightning. As she also learns to lean on the Lord and gets this way, guess how much closer they are at that point? And they're like, wow, our relationship got better. How did that happen? They didn't do anything different with each other. They did this differently. 
But then sometimes people will get to that level of closeness and they'll be like, you know, I feel like maybe we could be, be closer. They'll realize there's some more kinks in the relationship, some things that need to be ironed out. Well, what should they do? They should probably have a giant counseling session, right? And write down everything wrong that they've ever done. No, please don't do that. Each of them should say, you know what? Maybe we need to each individually lean on the Lord some more. And so the husband will be like, okay, well, maybe I need to lean into this more. And then the same with the wife. Closer to the Lord, closer to each other. That's the key to fixing relational problems. You see, we live in an age where, and in some ways it's almost like an age of what I would call over-counseling. There are so many counselors out there to fix this. Have you guys looked at like self-help sections of bookstores? It's almost embarrassing because it's like self-help for like the most kind of innocuous kind of things. Like it's like, we need a book for that, really? Sometimes what we need is we just need to deal with, can we just get down to the root issue? Can we get down to the foundation of what's going on here? And the same thing has to happen in, in a marriage. You have to learn how to get down to those key foundational issues of leaning on the Lord and thus lightening. When I was going through um, marriage counseling um, myself, between my, my wife and I, we had this really interesting experience. We were sitting at a cafe outside, and the pastor who trained me up was giving us counsel, and he, he drew this triangle. I got this from, from him. Um, and while we were there one day, and he was explaining to us about biblical marriage, we were, um, we were just sitting there listening, and he would say, my wife's name is Ashley, he would say, so what do you think about this, Ashley? And he would say her name, and she would talk about whatever the concept was, and and we, we, we met for like about an hour and a half, two hours. So there was a lot of what do you think actually is going on there. He leaves. We're sitting there. And this woman who's at the table right next to us leans over. And you can tell she's like, has got something to say. She leans over to us and she's like, um, excuse me. Um, can, can I talk to you? And we're like, sure. She's like, well... First of all, my name's Ashley. So she's been hearing Ashley for like, the, I don't know how the last hour, hour and a half. And she tells us that she is in a lesbian relationship with some woman up in Canada, and they're about to adopt a child. But as she sat there and listened to the marriage counseling about like how to fix relationships, what does it mean to lean on God? She says, God was speaking through your pastor to me, and I'm going to go and end that relationship. We were blown away. I've never heard from her since. I have no idea how the whole thing ended up. All that to say was that this was a person who had never been taught the central tenets of how to actually make something work. Who knows what she had experienced in her past, right? I think about the story in... In, uh, is, it, is it Luke chapter 4, of the, the woman who'd been married five times, right? With, yeah, I think, I think it's in Luke 4. Let me just check, because sometimes I think it is. 
You guys check too because you got Bibles. Come on. The woman at the well. Is it Luke 4? No, it's not. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Is it John 4? Come on, help me out, guys, here. John 4, there it is. A Samaritan woman meets her Messiah. You know, when you think about a woman having experienced the divorce and having gone through um, relational crisis, as she undoubtedly would have had to go through, how fortunate do you think she wished, how fortunate would it have been if she had been taught the proper things before she had gone there? She probably wished she had known these things years before. And the same is true for almost all Christians. If I had only known this, well, you you can't change the past. But the idea is that now when she did meet Jesus and she realized that he was the one to speak into her life, she was so thankful she went and spread the word. The same thing is true for us in understanding marriage, that we should understand when the Lord has given us insight into actually how this is supposed to work. Remember, and sometimes we forget this, God made you, God made marriage, God made the world, he made it all, he has a giant, you know, manual for how it's supposed to go well. And he just simply asks us, hey, would you just learn what the manual says? Would you just look at, you see right there where it says, lean on me first? Would you just, can you just maybe try that tomorrow? Mr. Plank Eye, Mrs. Plank Eye. Would you just try that, right? It's like, it's like when you finally surrender yourself and you kind of say, okay, Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Okay, but I haven't really, really done that, so maybe, I'll, maybe tomorrow I'll try. And you actually try it, and then things just fall into place, and you're like, oh. <laughs> the master of the universe had a point when he instructed us about how to live. And we live in a time where people are so confused about what it even means to be human, right? Like there is such confusion out there and there is such confusion in relationships at the same time. So you have to look always at where are you in leaning on the Lord. And, and let, me, let me dig into this for just a minute. Leaning on the Lord has to mean something sacrificial for you in your relationship with him. Because undoubtedly, someone's going to ask, or maybe you've already thought this to yourself, well, what happens if, if I'm leaning and then, or, and, and, and then she's not, right? And we're like unbalanced. It's like, well, what do you do? Well, then you just, you just stop and you give up. No. You pray for your spouse. Or what happens if she's leaning and then he's not? Well, what happens then? Same thing. But what does it mean for you to lean? This is really important. It means that a dependency is developed between you and the Lord. The kind of, I can't do this, but you can, right? That's what it means to lean on Christ. Or to worship Him. I I love talking to people about the idea of worship and their feelings. I'm like, do you worship God when you don't feel like it? That'll, that answer to that question will tell me a lot about you and your character. People who have been walking with the Lord who want to experience victory with Christ, 
will worship him regardless of whether they feel like it or not. You come to the worship service, you come into the Bible study, you're like, fill me up. I am an empty cup. That's the approach relationally of someone who is leaning on the Lord. And it's something you have to kind of check of yourself. Like, am I really leaning? Am I just aware that God is existing and I'm existing? Well, that's not leaning, right? That's what the demons do. Demons don't lean on God. They're aware of his presence. They know of his power. They even know the end result of where they'll be, right? They'll be cast into the the abyss, the abuso. But they're not leaning on him. That is something that only you and I have the privilege of doing. And so just take, you know, take 10 seconds right now, just, just quietly, to kind of assess, okay, am I actually leaning on Christ in my life and in my marriage? Just take 10 seconds. If you're not, you have to repent of that. You have to repent and make sure that you begin to practice that anew. If you are, keep leaning, okay? Now, let's get to um, a second thing. Now, when this part of the, the relationship is off, where people are not leaning, very often there are big problems that happen between husbands and wife. And one of the big problems that happens um, is uh, what I would call a scoring problem, Now, we talked last week about the issue of understanding the curses that men and women have been been given through the fall in the study of Genesis chapter 3. And just to kind of summarize that, for, for the man, the curse is basically dealing with the authority or headship of God as being the majority voice you need to listen to, and then also the issue of having to work or toil your, in your days to take care of yourself or to take care of your family. For women, it's very, very different. The curses that women have to deal with mostly have to do with relational issues, the idea of power um, and the, the idea of submission, wanting maybe the power that the husband is supposed to have and wanting to kind of supplant that or take that over. The second thing is dealing then with also with children, and what it means to kind of go through the pain process, both in bearing children as well as raising children, and all those things that come with that, and primarily being worry and fear and things that dominate women. So the things that dominate men and dominate women are very different, but we, we have a tendency um, for, the, for the guy to look and say, well, you're not dealing with the stuff I'm dealing with, and for the, the woman to look at the guy and say, well, you're not dealing with the stuff that I'm dealing with, and again, we're at the scarecrow thing where there's like this kind of a cross of, of the blame or the blame shifting. And so this next section is called, How Do You Count Points? Now, usually, point counting when it comes to relationship and marriage is not something that I would suggest. So please take this with a kind of with a spoon of sugar or a spoon of salt or whatever you want to call, whatever, you know, additive thing you want to add. Um, because, of course, we're not supposed to be comparing, right? You did this for me today, so therefore I'm supposed to do that for you. That's called 50-50 relationship, and it does not work. What does work is 100-100. 
But the problem that we sometimes get into, especially when our vertical relationship is not right with the Lord, is that we begin to look and we begin to account the things that we think are important that the wife is supposed to do. And the wife looks at the husband and thinks vice versa. And so here's the problem with, with, the, with, the, with the counting system and what, what has to happen. The wife will look at the husband and she'll see, okay, he went to work, he gets one point. He came home, um, didn't have an affair, one point. Um, he provided for our family, one point. And so at the end of the day, she says, you got three points. What if you work full-time? Isn't that worth more? Three and a half points. Thank you. <laughs> and the guy looks at the same situation, and he's like, okay, this, that's a thousand points. I did really good. And no philandering, that's 2,000 points. And I came home, and I provided, I provided food and all the clothing, all the stuff, 4,000 points, you know. And so at the end of the day, he comes home, and he's like, let's see, six, 7,000 points. Fantastic. But when they meet at the door, and they begin to have dinner together, and they begin to talk to things, he soon begins to realize that her accounting is very different than his. Because when you come home, there's still work to be done, is there not? Right now I have three hampers full of laundry. I can't wait to get started on that. <laughs> and the vice versa, right? We could just switch this out, you know, how the husband looks at the wife. What she does during the day, things for the children, running around, making meals, and those are kind of the traditional ones, but you understand the, the idea. The problem is that we look at each other's things and we miscalculate, or, and usually we can miscalculate to our advantage, right? If you, if you added up your points versus your spouse's points, most of the time you guys would win, whoever you are. You, you would account your own points to be worth more than theirs. And, and this is where we have to remember that there is a different valuing that people have for various things. But you cannot depend on how you value it. You have to know how valuable it is for them. I was listening to an interesting teaching, and this, this guy was talking about, you know, helping men to understand how a woman works and, and how to kind of woo his wife. He says, he says, so often men go out for like Valentine's Day and they'll buy, you know, this one day, they'll celebrate her on this one day and they'll go crazy. Thank you. <laughs> they'll go crazy on this one day, you know, boxes of chocolates and, and 12 roses, you know, and, and, and to the guy, he thinks, okay, that's, I got a hundred points. She's got to be a hundred points for that. 300 for this nice dinner, paid for the babysitter. He's like, he's like 8,000 points. Well, that should like last for a month or at least a week. And she's like, one point. You did great. That was a great one point. And what he was pointing out is like, he, and he asked the ladies in the crowd, would you, pref would you prefer that your husband give you 12 roses once a year? or a single rose that shows he's thinking of you every month. And ladies, which is it? 
every month. Because you <laughs> both, I get a both. <laughs> yeah, if you guys, if you're taking notes, both really is the best answer. Um, as far as how many points, you know. Because um, <clears throat> the idea is that she generally doesn't care, and not, not to say she doesn't care if you do big stuff for her, but if it's like big stuff every once in a while, but she's like, but where are you the rest of the time? Her heart hurts. She wants to know that you're thinking about her. So it's lots of constant little stuff is way bigger in the long run because each time it's a point, so to speak. And again, we're not, we're not just kind of um, counting points for each other. And the same thing is true with husbands, right? It's not that, it's not that we are going to be made happy by, by receiving honor or respect that one time a year. Hey, you did a really good job at whatever it was, installing the cabinets, you know, thanks so much. And then never a compliment or appreciation for him after that for another eight months. He's going to be like, where's the support? Where's the respect? Where's the honor? You both have to learn the point system of the other. And your job in a marriage is that as you're leaning on Christ more and more and more, the easier it becomes to render to the other. And that's our scripture that we're kind of rooted in for this. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which is a fantastic chapter for marriage and relationships. We're coming to an end to our, our, our first session here. And then we'll have some questions and some time for discussion. Verse 3 and 4. This is what Paul is telling the Corinthian church. Once again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. And the word here is, and I love this word, render. Render, which basically means to give. Verse 3 of chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, let the husband render or give to his wife the affection that is due her. Your wife is due a certain amount of affection. And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You ever heard of a honeydew list? That's the expression of these verses right here. Sweetheart, we got married and I need you to go do this for me the affection. And when we understand that it is not only our, like as in, in marriage, it's not only our responsibility, but actually when it becomes your joy to render this, your joy to give to the other person the affection that is due them, the affection that the husband needs, the affection that the wife needs, then marriage starts to operate on a very high plane. 
Guys, marriage is just relationship. The quality of that relationship, though, depends on how much each person, each day, is leaning on, on God and getting closer and closer and closer to God. And you'll find the higher and higher you get on that, the more beautiful and high-functioning the marriage becomes. Your goal in marriage should not be to be like, we're getting by, but to have a beautiful marriage. A marriage that cries out, and this goes back to the first teaching, cries out the purpose behind it, which is to actually be a witness of Christ and the church. Reaching for that place is a beautiful thing, and I would encourage all of you to really make sure that you take time to to lay it before the Lord. Be like, Lord, would you make our marriage the way it's supposed to be, not just functioning for us, but beautiful for someone else to see, beautiful for someone else to know the witness of Christ and the church. The wife's job in rendering to the husband is to build him up, to respect him, to give him the things that he needs. The husband's job is to love the wife tenderly as the weaker vessel. They need different things than you. They are supposed to have different things than you. You have to do a certain amount of point recommitment to kind of switch that up so that you don't continue to count points in the wrong way. We'll take a break there and get into some, some discussion questions. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful again for your word and Lord, even just thinking about this last word that you gave us, Lord, about rendering, I just pray that, that for all here who are listening and hearing, Lord, that they would be learning and asking you to help them to render the affection uh, for their husband, render their affection for the wife. In Jesus' name we pray.